You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is To Stir With Love with Rabbi Yitzchok Kowalkowski. I'm Avram Kivalevich, and I'm here with Rabbi Yitzchok Kowalkowski, uh, who is, as we all know, a chaplain in the Weimart prison, not only just a chaplain, but the head chaplain, the head of all the chaplain services in that state prison in Weimar, Pennsylvania. And um, uh, we were thinking about what we're going to talk about tonight, Yitzhak and I. And one of the things that Yitzhak suggested that we discuss was uh, Trump in his seemingly last couple of uh, weeks in office uh, has done something, uh, and once again, positive for Jews and specifically Jewish prisoners. Uh, he's going to allow Joseph Pollard uh, to uh, be in non-violation of his parole. I guess the parole is going to be over and he's going to be able to finally emigrate to Eretz which has been his desire for so many years. And of course, uh, Trump is also was the uh, president that allowed uh, 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 um, Rav Bashkin to also leave prison um, early and to be able to go back to his family. And of course, that's we have to have, I think, a lot of Akaras Hatov, the Trumpers and advisors for that. But it brought up the, uh, the discussion uh, in Yitzhak's mind uh, was, what would it be, and in my mind as well, what would it be to have such a high-profile uh, religious Jewish prisoner. Um, I know Yitzhak, uh, you've talked about the prisoners that you've had and they've been very interesting. Um, let's talk about uh, the the issues that might arise if you would have someone like that, uh, somebody who was um, incarcerated for what was considered very serious crimes. Um, uh, obviously, we all know that both Ravashkin and Pollard received very, very strict severe sentences, um, way beyond, and this was part of the argument that was made for clemency, uh, that they were serving way beyond and being punished way beyond what most people in their position had been. Um, but, you know, clearly there was a lot of uh, propagandizing, propagandizing, I would say, in, in the Jewish community of how important it was to save them and to work for them and, um, and, and to do whatever was possible uh, to get them out and to work for their legal defense. Um, but you know what it's really like inside there. Um, could you imagine what would it have been um, to actually have been a uh, chaplain for them, to minister for them, to be in, involved with them? Um, how, do you think it would have, how do you think it would have played out, either with Pollard or Raboshkin? Well, well, when it comes to Pollard... It, it opens up some old wounds because if you remember Get Smart and uh, Don Adams used to say, missed it by this much. I when, I when it comes to being Jonathan Pollard's chaplain, I missed it by this much. I actually won the contract at the federal prison in Butner, North Carolina, which is the main medical prison in the federal system. It's a very large prison. I think it actually is a complex, consists of six separate prisons. Uh, you know, so to compare that to uh, uh, Petersburg, where I did serve, that was three prisons. And a lot of people are familiar with Otisville, which is actually 
two prisons, essentially. It's the medium and the camp. But I think uh, Butner, I think, has two mediums, two lows, and maybe two camps, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe one hospital, like very serious hospital, or two of those. So Butner is a, a very large prison. And when I saw the contract was open, looking for a rabbi to come twice a month, I said, well, from Richmond to Butner, it's about two hour drive. That's not too bad. I think I can make a good offer because that's how the federal contracts were working at the time and technically still do, but there really aren't that many contracts open. And I won the contract at Butner and I drove down there uh, all the way down to North Carolina and, and uh, which is I think the only time I've ever actually been in North Carolina. And then uh, I get there and the chaplain greets me and tells me that the warden will not let me into the prison and he won't tell me why. And pretty much it ended from there, the prospect that I would have been the chaplain in the prison where Jonathan Pollard was at the time and where I believe to this day, uh, Bernie Madoff, villain, Bernie Madoff, Bernie Madoff is also, yeah. yes. so um, it would have been, would have been in, I could have written a pretty good book after I was done with that whole story about being a chaplain to, well, to Pollard and Madoff and Pollard. I grew up, you know, he, he went to prison when I was one year old and I grew up with my Bubby and Zadie being, you know, really big fighting, you know, to, to, uh, get Pollard free. I know my Zadie used to send him, uh, Hanukkah card every year and, uh, they had a magnet up on the, on the wall, on the fridge there saying, you know, Pollard's had enough. And I remember going to protests when I was in high school you know, uh, Dove Pikens would get up and say, you know, we, we agree he he had to go to prison, but it should have been five years, ten years, shouldn't have been a life sentence. Uh, <clears throat> but for a long time, I was aware that he was eligible for parole because I could look him up, anybody could look up on the uh, website, any federal prisoner, current or past, there's a website where you can look them up. So I noticed that he had a date when he was set to go free. And I was like, well, if he has a life sentence and there's no parole in the federal system, how is it that he's set to go free in 2015? And the answer was, was that he was one of the last, if not the last uh, federal prisoner to be eligible for parole because the parole system ended, I believe, in 1986. So he, he maybe there might be another few, maybe... Uh, inmates who might be eligible for parole. So uh, with all due respect and with uh, my tremendous uh, appreciation for everything that Donald Trump has done for the, the uh, for America and also for, for Jews uh, as Americans, um, the fact of the matter is uh, I don't believe Donald Trump had anything to do with Pollard's release. It was this was I'm talking the, about. No, I didn't mean his that, release from from Butner. I know that happened in 2015. No, the, no, Trump allowed him. Trump. Al- okay, it, I thought it, it really wasn't all. The fact it that the really parole expired and it was. Uh, oh, I thought it was Trump's. I don't know. That was again. I could check it out. No, I'm sure. no, the, the parole. The parole was set to expire and to be reviewed 
at this point and uh, because he'd been paroled five years ago and the parole was set to expire and basically if trump wanted to he it was it was a cheval tasse he could have gotten up and said no this guy's too dangerous and maybe said something i don't even know if if that's a koyach that he had Mm -hmm. i said it was the parole board all right. I, all right. Well, I was trying to, uh, I know that you're a Trump supporter and I know I was trying to uh, give you something positive. Yeah. But I, before we get into why you didn't get the job, and I know you did some research to discover that, uh, Yitzchok, I wanted to ask you, um, just the, theoretically, imagine if you were, uh, you did get the job in Butner or there was someone in Waymart that was high profile like that. Um, do you think the fact that the the staff the warden, the people realized there's an affinity between yourself and that person, would that have caused a problem for you to be working with that person? If they would have said, well, we can't, you know, we can't let, we can't let Kolakowski go in there. He's a supporter of the state of Israel. They're both Orthodox Jews. You know, it's, it's, go ahead. You know, it's certainly annoying, but you know, I'm, I'm, uh, by that time, I think it was well established that my Hashkofa was not the same as it was in high school. So I don't know if I would have shown any particular favoritism to Jonathan Pollard, but I, uh, I, it, it could have been a Nisoyan. I know I had, I had a Nisoyan in several Nisoyanists in Petersburg. Um, and I've learned from that mistakes and not to get so involved in, in, uh, in Waymart, I've, I've really learned from my past mistakes, but in, we did have not as high profile as, as, uh, as Jonathan Pollard, but we had, uh, as we discussed before, rabbis, uh, at, at the prison there in, in, in uh, Burton in, in Petersburg, Virginia, one for Muncie, uh, right. Very Hasidish or Rosh Hashiva one and, and one, uh, from, Baltimore area conservative rabbi and we then we had uh, interestingly with uh, when it came to uh, Jonathan Pollard was got a life sentence for being a spy for Israel we had a a spy for the Palestinians uh, a Jewish spy an Israeli who was so uh, fed up after serving in the army and he was actually Professor Yishai Leibowitz's grandson wow and he was the Balkare. Um, <laughs> and, and so uh, he and, spied. He spied the, on the United States for the on behalf of the Palestinians. He had he was working for the United States, and he had some information that, that would be damaging to Israel that he gave over to the Palestinians. And I believe he got three years for that. <laughs> it wasn't uh, top, you know, secret information. It was like uh, low secret information, but he. He's a Heverman, and I enjoyed uh, visiting him and, and ministering to him. And he's probably the only inmate that I ever saw on the outside after um, after he served his his uh, time. But it, it wasn't such a profile high profile case. A lot of people, I, I think, most did you ever even hear of this case? That, that no, uh, no, no. I know that, exactly. Again, I I don't have my ear to the we, ground, we had, but uh, I haven't yeah, heard about we it. Had, we had. In the library, we had Nechama Leibowitz's books. So the guys would be like, oh, Sam, is that yours? He said, did you write that? He said, no, my aunt wrote it. And they, they yeah. didn't believe him. I said, no, it's true. <laughs> that's, that's his aunt. Yes. And uh, so it yeah, was well. a uh, – I actually 
I had a chasana. I shouldn't have done this, but I had a chasana uh, in in Silver Spring, and I when I was already living here in New York, I was have any anything to do with the BOP anymore, and uh, I needed an aid kedushin. You know, I could be one aid as the Messiah kedushin, but I needed a second aid. And I I looked him up on Facebook and I saw he was out of jail and I knew he was a Sherma Shabbos and I asked him I and uh, so he I hear he so you he you were him as a you were him laedus you figured that he wasn't puzzle anymore if he was ever puzzle for obviously he had lied and cheated in terms of his, his job so but you felt that he was kosher laedus that's why he I think that's why he got such a a light sentence. Uh, so you 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 kashered him late. That's very interesting that that's the aid that you found. But again, I guess you didn't really answer my question, Yitzchak. Although I sort of implied an answer that if the if, yeah. if, if the warden sees, hmm, maybe I sh- maybe I shouldn't put these people together. When you have a high profile person like that, are they very protective about who ministers to them? And um, you know. Uh, especially someone that the government never wants to release. Do they want to have someone like yourself? Like, let's say it wouldn't be yourself. Forget about the fact that you were Hasidish, that you're not pro-Israel the way he was. Imagine that you were. Imagine that you did have a great affinity. What would the administration do? Would they get in your way? Would they try to uh, dissuade you from connecting with this person? In, in your, in, in your I, experience I, in prisons. It would only be if there was a, an obvious security threat that would be something then they would they would have to put a stop so what does that mean a security always... threat what does that mean that you would perhaps give him a way to escape like what, what would they think what would be the security threat or or be giving him you know bringing him contraband is really the number one security threat and okay. that's not something that it sounds he was so, uh in other words there there, been, yeah. you know they you let know, people visit him all the time i know uh rabbi uh Lerner, from young Israel visited him quite often. It was, it was very close with him and they never gave him any issues about visiting him. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, when, you know, we had our, you know, a little bit more, you know, kind of high profile, the, the Hasidish rabbi, we had Ramosha Green came to visit him, Zechrein Lavrocha, and a few other Askonim and Rabbanim from Muncie and, and they didn't give us any problems. It was really only if if they're afraid that someone's going to bring in contraband or or be radicalizing the person. Meaning that mm. uh, I would if if they're worried that the chaplain is going to say things to this inmate that would radicalize him, and then he would be considered part of a security threat group. Meaning, which is the the fancy word for a gang, and he would be attacking other people. Let's say. I'm worried that maybe uh rabbi is going to have Jonathan Pollard start to uh, pick fights with Muslims or something, and then it's going to it's going to be a security problem. That could be a reason why they would try to stop someone from, uh-huh. you know, okay. or, or the other way around if they thought the imam is going to, you know, be riling the the Muslim inmates to to pick on the Jews. You know, then they're they're going to have the same qualms about that. But it's not. And, and where was Rabashkin? Rabashkin was in Otisville? Where was Rabashkin? Rabashkin <laughs> was in Otisville, and, and the chaplain <laughs> there, the full-time chaplain there is is from his Anash, is Rabbi Richter. He comes up every day from Crown Heights. I actually, I taught in the Chabad Cheder in Muncie uh, English and, and Jewish history, and I had 
Shalmordech's son in my class, and he was a very, he was probably the most well-behaved boy in that whole class. So, uh, and his uncle Davin's in our shul. So I, I know the mishpach. I never met Shalmordech, but I know that our friends in Bloomingburg, because Bloomingburg is just up the road from Otisville, they would visit him quite often. And, and when he was released, my very good friend, Adverner Rebbe, from, from uh, Bloomingburg and a few of the Ingolite there, they, they all went to greet him. He didn't even know he was being released. And they came to meet him as he was coming out to dance with him and celebrate. So, and, and that, that wasn't from his Anash. That was, that was from the... I, I understand. The well, before we get to the story of why you didn't get the job, which I know is, uh, I call the shaggy dog portion of our of our uh, of our recordings here, um, I just want to put on the record here as um, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it rubs me the wrong way. You talk about dancing with him and celebrating. To me, you know, look, uh, you know, you have a poche as someone who was who went against uh, the the dinner the malchusa. He didn't deserve the the terrible sentence that he got. He got out, and the sneer stick away. Go to the back of the Basmedrish, go home. The idea that his face now became splashed on every single cover. Uh, he's now like from the great Sadikim. He's like the Marami Rutenberg who suffered in prison. He's like the great uh, Mahabri Svarim. You know, look, I understand he might be a fine Yid, and I'm sure he loves learning Chassidus. But uh, to me, I would have been very humbled by that, and I would have spent the rest of my life uh, keeping a low profile. And I think that's that's no, what I, I would agree have done. with you. And I- Okay, I got one more little uh, hammer to, to, to knock down. And that is, I, I, I believe that once people realized, especially, you know, again, I'm happy that Pollard is out. Uh, I, I didn't, I don't want to see Rabashkin, but I think that um, there is a lot of Jewish capital that we spend. Uh, there's only a couple of, you know, you, you have two minutes with the Melech, what are you going to say, right? And of course, for many people, it was free Pollard. For many people, it was free Rabashkin. That to me is important Jewish capital that can be sometimes used for other bigger issues than just one person's life. And we know from what you have been talking to us over the last couple of weeks that not everyone, although I know Powered had a number of health issues and I know he might have been mistreated, not every uh, person who's in prison is suffering in the major, major way. And there are many bigger issues, especially when you realize that you're not getting the right answers. To, to get more people to write letters, to, to push more, to get more Asganim involved, the, 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 the world at large, there's only so many times they'll answer the door for us. And I, I am not sure that the amount of energy that was expended there was, was, was correct. In fact, I think there was a backlash uh, because you can read maybe in some of the, the memoirs of some of the people who were like Obama's memoirs and others about the, the, the sense of the, you know, the Jewish mafia getting involved and everybody pushing and making things. Again, if you realize something's not going to work, it was a tragedy what happened to the Rosenbergs. They shouldn't have been executed the way they were. But Kachave, and I, I, think we have to, I think we have to realize that we are uh, uh, you know, in Golis, and we have to be careful when we use our shtat lotus. <clears throat> that's that's my take on it. I mean, you might disagree. I, on I mean, that. I I I kind of disagree about the Rosenbergs. I I, I I I think they got what they deserved, and and less and less than they deserved. But uh, maybe I, I have a, I, I you know a different view. And but as far uh, as where, how many other people were executed for espionage? They were the yeah. only they're the only spies that were. <laughs> of espionage in the 20th century. <clears throat> there were other people who also were guilty of espionage. They yeah. didn't have to be killed. 
Uh, no one was saying that they should be that they should be released from prison, <clears throat> but that they should be executed. Well, but it was a serious thing to give over the H bomb uh, to the Russians. That was uh, okay. That's a real <clears throat> look, I, look, I don't have all the facts at my fingertips, but I do know that there have been other spies that were guilty of of, of, of very terrible secrets. And yeah, the, whether the, could, whether could, the Russians could, wouldn't have gotten the H bomb without that, I don't know. Look, I, I I've seen that uh, little Jello. Uh, you know the little half piece of jello that 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 that, that the guy had, and the fact that Greenglass, um, you know, was able to you know to, to turn state's evidence and I remember a few years ago there was there was a Jew who was executed in Florida for killing a for killing a uh, a police officer, and a lot of the people in the Jewish community were fighting to have him not pardoned, but just you know taken off of death row and given the a life sentence, and a, a, a friend of mine was very vocal, uh, made a lot of YouTube videos saying, "No, he should be executed. He deserves to, he deserves to die." And and it's a chil Hashem for the Jewish community to be fighting for this guy. Um, and that friend was the one who actually uh, got me in trouble, with, which is the reason why I didn't wind up being the chaplain in Butner. Okay, so let's hear, uh, let's, hear, let's hear what happened. Why was it that you discovered that you didn't get that prime position that you wanted as Pollard's chaplain? What happened? Again, what's well, uh, we had a, I was, I was not at the time technically the rub of the shul. I was, I had been a rub in the shul and then I kind of tried to open my own little shtibel and it really wasn't Matzliach, but I got a call from some Satmar Bachram wanted to come for Shabbos. And they came for Shabbos, and we had a nice Shabbos. And uh, and what's the Shabbos? I by that time I'd already made Shalom with the shul where I was the Rav and the young Israel, and we davened there uh, Friday night and Shabbos morning. But then what's the Shabbos? We davened in my house because I had a little this medrash set up there. And over Shabbos, this friend of mine, a neighbor of mine, who was a, a rabbi, he's a Gerd Sedek. He used to be a, a Baptist minister, and he became a, a gear and he's very uh, very vocal on on YouTube and a lot of other platforms and he um, he mentioned that he has a, a gun collection and the Bachram said oh they'd like they were older Bachram they said oh they'd like to see it so I assumed they're going to go over to his house and, and he's going to show them the gun collection so we proved a nice uh, and I was in the middle of davening Marv and he comes in uh, with the AK-47 and a few uh, handguns and, the, and I was davening and I think some of the Vakram davened already and they were just standing around the bima looking at the gun, smiling and he takes out his camera, takes a little video and then I go make Havdallah and he puts the, the AK-47 on the table while making Havdallah and he takes a video of this and it comes out kind of, I would say it's a kind of a avant-garde artsy film where he you know, played around with the lighting and made it black and white and color and this and that and had music in the background. And it really was totally different than any other video he'd ever made because usually you talk about hashkafa or sometimes politics and sometimes halacha. And here he just made this kind of strange art film. And uh, that, was glorif- got, that was glorifying, um, almost giving a religious significance to owning a weapon, right? That was the reason why it was like... I, I don't know, know what the was I think it was just to, to be shocking and to and to like I don't know what the point of it was but we for years and years my wife and I would talk about the gun Shabbos 
And it's interesting because those Bachrim, they're so, right now. So, I, so, so that, that video, I don't want to cut you short on this, but that video was uploaded and people knew about it. And, and it was so somehow people realized in the video that it was you in there. And here was you were allowing guns to be um, displayed in your home as sort of in, in conjunction with the religious service. So it wasn't so much that you believe that you were an NRA supporter that you didn't get the position. It's that you were a kook, right? Why was that? Why was the uploading of that video from your friend of the Chesid Shechever in, in your house davening and with with loving shots of the of the AK forty seven? The fact that you were like a cameo in that did you did they think that you were a, a executive producer of that? Did they think because you seemed in the video to to appreciate? That you were smiling, that the guns were being uh, handed out, or that you that you that you that you allowed the person to upload it, or is it is it everything everything that I'm saying, all of the above? I, I don't even know what it was. I remember, you know, and a lot of the people who were offended by it were gun people, were people who are very big NRA, you know, there in Virginia. That's that's not uh, not so strange, and we have a lot of from people who go to the range every other day. In Richmond, and was those people who were the most offended by it. one one fellow, a Frum guy, and his brother was a congressman, and he was a Republican congressman, and he was the one who really spearheaded. Uh, he was so angry at me, and he convinced the Rosh Hashiva there not to let me daven in the yeshiva because uh, because I was a threat to the community. The the Rosh Hashiva said that you know something like this it was as bad as if I was a drug dealer, and I, I is all in the so the, you know. the implication was that you were a promoter. Again, I, from what I'm getting from the again, and come on, it's like I mean, you, you have to. I guess so. Or, I mean, I you have know. to re, listen. It was happened to you. You must have an interpretation of it. it's not just like some Franz Kafka novel where you don't know what everybody's saying, and all of a sudden the land surveyor doesn't know what's going on, right? You you understood what the what the what the what the idea was, right? They were, right? People were saying that you seem to be a gun kook, right? Was that it? Or that you, you somehow uh, fetishized it or thought it was something that could even be a religious, uh, that it somehow even has religious value, right? And, and I think that must be what it is, right? I guess so. People, people just thought it was strange, the whole thing. It wasn't, I, I was not smiling with it. I didn't handle the guns. I was, my, you know, by Marev, my back was to the camera, and then I daven, and then I said Havdola, and you know I'm not going to argue with a guy who's holding an AK-47. Tell him get that out of my house. Okay, but, but he wouldn't have shot you. You know what I'm saying? This is not. This wouldn't have been a Tarantino film, right? It wouldn't. Have, it would not have happened that somehow if you would have said, uh, uh, "Hey, your partner, your friend, this this other rabbi, hey, put that stuff away. You're nuts. Come on, put it away." Right. So clearly, again, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to put you on trial. I'm just trying to say, come on. You didn't really think that you were under uh, under a threat that the guy was going to shoot you. No, I just, I just didn't. At the time, I didn't think anything was. I, Wrong with it. I didn't care. I th- it, didn't, it didn't faze me because so many strange things, you know, and strange people come to my house all the time. Uh, so, so uh, I just, I guess it was kind of my uh, my liberal cure of spirit. Be like, you know, I'm not gonna. I don't want to offend this guy, and especially he was supporting me financially. He was supporting <laughs> our little Shiva, paying half of my rent. So, uh, well, I, ha- you know, ha- so well, that's not happening. Yeah, like you said, who knows? Otherwise, you would have been. You know, my, uh, my wife's from Idaho, so she said, you know, stuff like that 
happened all the time. You know, her father was a hunter and his, his buddies would come home and they'd have their guns and they'd have their deer and the antelope that they caught. And uh, it was a normal thing to her. And, uh, and, and to me, you know, I, my father was a cop. My Zeta was a cop. I understand. Look, I, I, I'm sure there's nothing that can match the glean of an AK-47 under the light of of a Havdalah candle. I'm sure that there's something. I, I have to see if the video is available somewhere because I. I, I we could put I, it in the we could put it in the notes. Yitzchak, we run out of time over here. You know, some of our listeners have commented that they the the, the section of the of our show that they appreciate the most is the is our movie section where we both put on our Siskel and Ebert hats and we discuss films for uh, Thanksgiving because it was Veterans Day. I think the other, we talked about Veterans Day, I think last week, um, or maybe it was two weeks ago. Uh, what do you have, what do you have uh, on the nature? Give me your Thanksgiving film recommendation. I mean, I, I, uh, I listened to your podcast with uh, <laughs> Rabbi Bedhoffer on Thanksgiving and I, I enjoyed listening to it and I, uh, I, I love Thanksgiving. I to me it's uh Yerma de Pagra. I, I, I make a tish and we sing Smiras. I I uh I uh I, I I make a big deal out of it, but I, I know that watching television and watching movies is a big part of the day. I'm not a sports fan. To me I remember you know, you'd turn on channel eleven and they would always show King Kong and usually after that'd be the son of Kong. King Kong's my favorite movie. I don't know what it has to do with Thanksgiving. But uh, they would show Mighty Joe Young from Godzilla movies. That was what, what Thanksgiving was for a lot of people. And I think it, w- it was a tradition that either Channel 9 or Channel 11 in New York had for a long time. Because I know a lot of people always talk about that, that, you know, that experience. And then when I, was, I, I guess uh, we would say that maybe, you know, the original Kong, although uh, I know, uh, was it Peter, uh, Peter Jackson, the one who made the... Um, the Lord of the Ring movies, I think, made a very big remake uh, about 15 years ago. And I know, of course, um, the one that was Jessica Lange, of course, the, the infamous one that was made uh, Dina in, in, in the, in the, in the 70s. But I think nothing has really topped that stop motion animation of that very first film. I guess there's really something something erotic and exciting and, and, and really captures a lot of the idea of exploration and exploitation. Uh, which I think is probably connected to the spirit of Thanksgiving as well, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. In other words, the, here we are again. You know, the uh, on the, when they when the pilgrims, of course, came for religious reasons, but still the idea of the discovery of the new world, uh, the idea of bringing this great thing back. Um, I think that probably has a lot to do with the discovery of the new world as well. It's sort of the same idea of trying to uh, find something and exploit it. And maybe a Kong could be sort of a, a remise to, uh, to, you know, putting things that shouldn't be together. Um, I, I'm making this up right now, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm giving, I have, I have, a, I have a book that finds all the Ramazim in King Kong and all that. That really, it's a, it's a movie that's that's been that's uh, been studied very deeply. So I, 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 I'm sure you're not the first one to say that. You know, yeah, yeah, but certain... yeah, so, right. I, well, I, 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 I don't, I don't call myself the most original film critic, but I do think there is something there that can make you think about discovery and leaving things the hell alone. Sometimes, in other words, the idea of uh, again the wild uh, 
continent that was discovered by the pilgrims and then pillaged by them. And basically, although they thought they were doing the right thing, look what they ended up doing. Once again, you know, Kong is a very tragic situation. So I think one could probably create a, a, a parallel for uh, watching the old monster, uh, watching the big old guy uh, on Thanksgiving. I'm going to throw out a couple of ideas for Thanksgiving. Um, and I, as you know, thank you for giving a plug to our podcast episode where I uh, uh, use those, uh, where I mentioned some of the halachic and other reasons why uh, Thanksgiving is a very positive day. And and you can get that on what you said on our on our on our. I mean, uh, in the, the old Spanish and Portuguese synagogues, they would make a whole yom tov out of. They say Hallel and Tilim, and there was a whole a whole tekes. Right, which is what which is what the government wanted. The government wanted and yeah. uh, the government wanted uh, people to go to their various shuls and do things. But if you are again using the leisure time of watching a, a program before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving. So I've got two possibilities. One of them is, I think it was John Hughes, but I, I don't, uh, again, I'm, uh, I am not, you know, I could easily stop this and Google it. And maybe you can Google it while I'm thinking. I think it was John Hughes who made plane trains and automobiles. I think so. I'm not sure. Um, and uh, possibly yeah. not. Was that, was, am I right, John Hughes? Was that right? I think it is. If I Google it, it's going to, it's going to, I remember it being John Hughes. Okay. So I think there we have a film that, um, um, you know, I'm sure it has a little bit of raunchy aspects to it. Um, I, I seem to remember uh, um, uh, <laughs> Steve Martin and, and John Candy uh, waking up in awkward positions, but I think that it, it generally does a, a good job of capturing the thanks, you know, the, the hustle and bustle and, Perhaps some of the um, the aspects of Thanksgiving that we need to go beyond, um, you know, the idea of just rushing home and being with family without thinking about what does it mean to be a, a friend, what does it mean to be connected, what does it mean to actually open up to another person, um, and um, you know, Steve Martin, of course, was usually the wild and crazy guy, is pretty much the straight man to John Candy here, but I think. Um, it's always great to see John Candy, and um, I think that's a that's a good uh, Thanksgiving uh, hour and a half that you could probably enjoy yourself. The other one is a little bit of a longer two and a half hour, um, sort of a uh, <laughs> if you want something serious and you want to think about Thanksgiving today and think about what does it mean. I want to be thankful to God about the bounties of this planet and what the great things that being an American uh, has given us as, as Jews specifically. But if you want to really get to the heart of, uh, of the issues between uh, how we've treated the, um, the Native Americans uh, and how far we've come from that original um, cooperation of that first Thanksgiving to what it devolved into, uh, I think The Searchers, John Ford's masterpiece, uh, is really a great film to contemplate and to watch and to and to relish. Really, almost every scene is is classic. Every scene is is, is well known and is is, is masterfully put together. Uh, a tremendous match of uh, cinematography and a, a, a real tight script, and uh, you know, <clears throat> a great performance. Um, uh, by a lot of the uh, award bond and a lot of the regular stock uh, care figures. It might be Wayne's best performance. I don't know, but it clearly Wayne never uh, seemed so threatening. He never seemed so evil at the same time, capturing this dichotomy of the America, the American spirit. 
that American spirit and especially its attitude towards the Native Americans. Uh, I'll just, I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, when, um, when John Wayne picks up Natalie Wood at the very end of that film, I could watch that 150 times and still find my eyes watering with tears um, because that is really such an incredible, incredible, incredible shot. And uh, so that's that's my uh, honorable mention. If if you want a film about the Jewish experience of Thanksgiving, uh, Barry Levinson's Avalon, uh, which is what much too long, but it's based on his family's uh, uh, history in Baltimore. And uh, there's a number of Thanksgiving uh, scenes there where the family gets together. Um, you have Lou Jacoby and uh, <laughs> hamming it up with the turkey. Um, and uh, it's, I think, a, a very good contemplation about the immigrant experience, the Jewish immigrant experience in the United States. Um, any any response to Avalon or The Searchers? Or these these aren't films that you're familiar with. The, the, the Searchers is is just brilliant. You know, like it's the cinematography in The Searchers was so influential, and and, and just the framing of all the scenes. It, it, it a lot of it uh, influenced. Uh, George Lucas in Star Wars, he can see a lot of scenes in Star Wars that he just ripped right off of of the Searchers. You know, that's a that's a well, well known thing. Yes, well, like yeah, the classic. Yeah, but again, you know, we we do see life as a great quest, and I think uh, the Searchers is clearly about a quest of discovering yourself, discovering the anger within you, and discovering why it is that we push forward. So again, Search is obviously uh, an, one of the greatest films of all time, probably. But I do think Avalon, if you do want to just see what was it like for not such religious Jews to be involved in Thanksgiving, Avalon does give you a, uh, a sense of things, especially the scenes where they reminisce about, their, about the Zayda who came in from the, uh, from the old country. I think that's a, that's a great scene, uh, if, you could, if, if you can get it. All right. What's... Yitzchak? Yeah. All right. Well, this week's part, it has the whole Indian of Thanksgiving. We are the people of Thanksgiving, the Yehudim. But the, the fascinating part that I saw on Parshas Vayetze is that uh, the Kedushas Levi brings it, says Vayela Charona, and it doesn't say Vayered Charona. Why doesn't, why didn't Yaakov Avinu going to Charon be seen as Yerida, whereas every Every other time someone leaves Eretz Yisrael, it's always brought in the Lushen of Yerida. And the Kedushas Levi says essentially, you know, what we all know Rashi says, the say when a tzaddik leaves the place, uh, uh, you know, uh, that the, the Ziv and the Hodor and the Hod of the, of the place leaves with him. So, in, and that Ziv, that Kedushas Eretz Yisrael went to Choron because the, the Indian of the tzaddik is that Indian, like the Balshemtov says, uh, you know, the Reb Nachman Breslover says that Balshemtov's kever has Kedushas Eretz Yisrael. The same thing when you were around Yaakov Avinu, Choron became Eretz Yisrael, and a, a shtickle uh, Beersheva lost the, the Kedusha when, when Yaakov Avinu left. So I think that's that's a powerful message for the, for also for Thanksgiving that, you know, we can we can celebrate a day like this, an American day, and find Kedusha in it and uh, and really lift it up as the the Hashem, even obviously people are going to say oh, every day we have to thank God, but to have a Ian in uh, in Hakarasatoyv, I don't think is a is a problem. 
Yeah, it's very good. Very good for it. And I would say just to add to that, something I heard from my, my good friend Rabbi Duvi Weiss, that um, one of the, we know that uh, women are chayev in their Hanukkah, shafem hoyubaisanes. And, you know, the question, of course, is, is that what does that really mean? You know, women uh, usually potter in mitzvah man groma. So what does it mean that, that you know, did, did the rabbis decide to give them an exception here or not? So my friend Rabbi Weiss wanted to say the following. Really, the, the, one of the reasons, you know, Ner Hanukkah, you know, and, 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 which is about Hoidah, which is about praising God, is really uh, built on this mitzvah of praising God for saving us, for providing for us. That's, type, that's the type of something that, that really we should be doing constantly. Right? It's not just, you know, oh, oh boy, here's a woman. Now we're making a mechaimer and a mitzvah. Let's, let's, let's bend the rules. Really, we, every man, woman, and child should be in a constant state of hoidoya, constantly. The truth is, Chazal say, you know what? Do it only for a special time, like on Hanukkah, and do it only maybe at the time of Adlokos Neros. But really, Chazal are sort of like saying, you can't constantly be on. You can't constantly be moida every 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. We really should. That's what the mitzvah really is. But we need specific times or in a specific way to do it. So therefore, what Chazal really saying is really this mitzvah applies to everyone, all of us. That's really the essence of what it means to a human being, to recognize what God has done for us. So when women do the mitzvah of an Hanukkah, it's not like, oh, here's a, uh, they usually don't do mitzvahs that are time bound. <laughs> no, the point is, is that all the rabbis did was saying, look, we know you can't constantly be on, but this chiyav, which is always there, can now be opened up during the eight days of Hanukkah. And in that spirit as well. Yes, we always have to be made as Hashem. We have to do that. But if there is a day that has been designated by this incredible country that we live in, then that's the time to let that mitzvah daraisa uh, spread forth. And I'm sure you're going to be happy with your tish and your smiras, and hopefully inspired by not only the stories of your your adventures and misadventures, but maybe also by uh, the messages that you can extract from everything that we've been talking about today, including some of the movies. Take care, my friends. That's it for this week. Yitzchok, enjoy your Thanksgiving, turkey or not. Be well, everybody. See you on the other side. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.